1: Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wednesday rolls around quickly, doesn't it? Here we are, another Wednesday, and one of the things we like to do is to check on breaking news headlines as they're coming out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the news and back with us once again. Ron, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, one of the biggest issues, uh, not only for the Middle East, but facing the whole world, is what's going on so far as Iran and their enrichment program for uranium. And so they've started enriching uranium. Let's talk about the headlines with advanced IR6 machines underground at Natanz. What are the headlines telling us?
1: Yeah, Iran has started enriching uranium with one of three cascades or clusters of advanced IR-6 centrifuges recently installed at its underground enrichment plant at Natanz, a report by the UN Atomic Watchdog states. Iran is using a cascade of up to 174 machines to enrich uranium to up to 5% purity, the confidential report said. Earlier this month, Behrouz Kemalvandi the spokesperson for the Iranian Atomic Energy Organization announced that Iran would be activating hundreds of new and advanced IR6 and IR1 centrifuges to enrich uranium, claiming at the time that the 500 IR6 machines would be activated within 10 to 15 days of his announcement. merely installing one-tenth of that capacity of per year is sufficient to produce enough weapon-grade uranium for more than one bomb each year. With a sufficient stock of low-enriched uranium, Iran could produce enough weapon-grade uranium for over five weapons a year, he said. That same report stressed that about 650 IR6 centrifuges would be enough to break out and produce enough weapon-grade uranium for a nuclear weapon in about a month. In June, Iran informed the IAEA that it had begun activating 166 IR6 centrifuges. The IAEO announcement from earlier this month stated that it was activating another 500 IR6 centrifuges, which would bring the total number of such centrifuges activated to at least, get the number, 666. How familiar is that?
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we might try not to read too much into that, but it could be significant. Uh, Ron, this is not the end of the story around the issues of enriching uranium. The Israel Mossad chief is to present Washington with intelligence on the emerging nuclear deal with Iran. What are the headlines telling us here?
1: Mossad director David Barnea is expected to travel to Washington this week to present Israel's intelligence position against the return to the emerging nuclear agreement between Iran and Western powers. Barnia will be the third senior Israeli official in recent days to travel to Washington to meet with U.S. officials to share intelligence and concerns about the dangers of the emerging nuclear program. Over the weekend, Israel's Defense Minister, Benny Gantz, met with U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan after National Security Advisor Eyal Ulata concluded his visit to Washington last week. Israel government officials have said that the efforts have already borne some fruit, as a few points which would have caused damage to Israel and the world have been excluded from the draft agreement. Israeli senior government officials have clarified in recent days to the Biden administration that Israel will not be bound by a nuclear deal with Iran and will define whether its own red lines are based on intelligence material. The IDF and the Mossad have been instructed to be prepared for any scenario, Prime Minister Yair Lapid was quoted as saying during a press conference we will be prepared to act to maintain Israel's security. The Americans understand this, the world understands this, and Israel society should also know it, he said.
0: Well, Ron, we might anticipate there'll be all sorts of tensions around that deal. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the former Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has brokered a deal which strengthens right-wing prospects for the Israel elections. How does this one look?
1: Religious Zionism and Otzma Yehudit announced that they agreed to run together in the upcoming Knesset election after Opposition Chief Benjamin Netanyahu hosted a meeting with the leaders of the far-right parties to broker a merger agreement. The two factions ran on a joint slate in last year's elections, but split in recent weeks over the makeup of the slate, with Otzmer Yehudit leader Idmar Ben-Gavir seeking greater representation, as recent polls showed him surging in popularity. A joint statement from Otzmer Yehudit and Religious Zionism said they agreed on a joint run for the 25th Knesset, Netanyahu, who hosted the two at his home in Caesarea, hailed the agreement. Unity is presently needed to ensure the victory of the national camp and the formation of a stable national government for the next four years, he said. The election is on November 1st. Yes,
0: November elections, and there's a bit of a focus and some issues on the other side as well in that sense of the tensions within Israel. Uh, the succession battle within the Palestinian Authority is heating up. What's the story here, Ron?
1: Yeah, extraordinary. Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas is facing increased pressure to convene the General Assembly of the ruling Fatah faction, to make decisions that would pave the way for his loyalists to tighten their grip on the Palestinian leadership. The Fatah Assembly, also known as the Fatah General Conference, is supposed to convene every five years to endorse the faction's political and military programs and elect members of its two major decision-making bodies. The committee is often described as Fatah's executive branch while the Council is seen as its legislative body. The last, the seventh meeting of the Hard General Conference took place in November 2016 and lasted for five days. At the meeting attended by 1,411 delegates, Abbas was re-elected as general commander of the faction. The conference elected members of the committee and the council and fully endorsed Abbas's policies regarding the peace process with Israel. The 8th Fatah General Conference was scheduled to take place in November 2021. But Fatah Secretary General Jibril Rajoub, who is regarded by some Palestinians as a leading candidate to succeed Abbas, announced that the gathering had been delayed until March 2022. At the request of Abbas, it was later postponed until May. According to Palestinian sources, the conference was once again called off, this time until further notice. A veteran Fatah official said on Saturday that Abbas was planning to use the faction's next General Assembly to settle scores with his opponents and reward his loyalists within the faction. And, Ron, we
0: usually like to finish on a high note, but uh, a story to make reference to, which is not altogether good. Almost half of the Jerusalem population lives in poverty. Uh, What are the details here?
1: Yeah, very concerning. This report is from the Jerusalem Post, their second instalment on the poverty in Jerusalem. It's a major story, and it's a tragic story. And their report says a young lad the article calls Avram, is standing on the sidewalk, impatiently waiting for the van that was supposed to arrive 10 minutes ago with the family's weekly food package. When it arrives, a young man in a reedy garb quickly gets off and gives Avram the carton containing, as usual, a bottle of oil, grape juice for Kiddush, two shallots, two packages of pasta, two boxes of tomato paste, sugar and cornflakes, as well as some fresh vegetables and some dairy products. Usually there's also a package of candies or cookies which are quickly devoured by Avram and his brothers and sisters. This is the standard fare for these food packages with slight variations from one organization to another. Some put more emphasis on fresh fruits and vegetables. Some put more on bread or chocolate spreads and jam. Some will also include poultry or fish, all according to the financial capacity of those organisations. The weekly basket of groceries that arrives at these families' homes provides them with the only part of their needs, but it's not only one that arrives. Families know the welfare services, and they gather them from many. They get food baskets or shopping vouchers and the type of credit card. Avrob is in charge of receiving the supplies that arrive every week. The common denominator for these families is their almost complete dependence on the assistance of welfare services and charitable organizations. I remember when I worked with Bridges for Peace in Jerusalem, we included bus passes in the food baskets so that the people could get around the town to find work. For the 47% of Jerusalemites out of 971,000 residents in the city to find us living under the poverty line, it's a daily and impossible choice between bread and milk, diapers, and medicine. Food supplies provided by Christian agencies like Bridges for Peace and the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem are a major ministry reaching out to Jewish and Arab communities. The significance of their work is highlighted by this story.
0: And no doubt there might be some listeners who are already connected or want to connect with those Christian organisations, Bridges for Peace or the International Embassy in Jerusalem. There's a thought, of course, uh, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but perhaps also for the welfare of uh, half the population of Jerusalem living in poverty. Uh, Always good getting your insights. Uh, Wonderful, Ron Ross. Thank you so much for sharing those with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.